Sometimes I wake up and think this actually can't be true. It really cannot be true. It was going to be something everybody would remember for a very long time. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the ToxPod. I'm going to tell you the story of the TF2020 conference in Cape Town, South Africa. A conference that never actually happened. COVID-19 has had a devastating effect on all our lives in so many ways. I think we'll all be telling our stories of the effects that this pandemic has had on us for many years to come. People have lost their livelihoods. People have lost their lives. In comparison to that, the cancellation of a professional conference like TF may seem trivial. But this wasn't just any conference. This was going to be the first TF conference held on African soil since TF started almost 60 years ago. And on a continent where forensic toxicology has struggled to be recognised and supported, 2020 was going to be a coming out party for forensic toxicology in South Africa. It's August 2013. The annual TF conference starts in a week's time in Madeira, off the coast of Portugal. On the list of almost 600 delegates is Alicia Evans from Cape Town, South Africa. This will be her first TF conference, and since she's travelled all the way to Europe, she's decided to also attend the Society of Hair Testing meeting in Geneva. It's the first day of the SOT meeting. So I went off to the bathroom before the lunch. It started at about lunchtime and came out of the booth and went to go wash my hands. And there was this other lovely young woman with wild blonde hair. And um, the two of us were working out how to switch the taps on because it was really complicated and neither of us could work out how to switch the taps on so we could wash our hands. That young woman was Michaela Keneally, a forensic toxicologist from Australia. And she and I were just laughing that neither of us could figure out how the taps worked in this sort of foreign country. And it turned out she was South African, named Alicia. In the last couple of years, we've all gotten very good at doing things online. Zoom meetings, virtual workshops. These things all have their place and they've helped us to stay connected during this pandemic. But what we haven't been able to replicate online are those chance encounters, those shared experiences that can often be the beginning of lasting relationships. Uh, So the two of us were by ourselves at the conference, so we formed a bit of a friendship and decided to go to dinners together from then on. And she had told me she was also going on to Madeira for the TF conference, which was good because I was too. There were a lot of TF members at that SOT meeting, and through Michaela, Alicia met some others, including another Australian, Dimitri Gerastamoulis. And one night over dinner, the conversation turned to the possibility of a TF conference in Africa. And in fact, I think it was that night or the next night, Michaela and Dimitri were going out for a pizza and I went with them. And that's when the conversation started about, it's about time, you know, it really is about time. Uh, that was the, the sort of genesis of discussions around 2013. And we just progressed that from there. And, you know, we have a whole lot of practicing toxicologists in Africa who really don't have much to do with TF. Uh, who are not aware that TF exists. A few days later, Alicia, Michaela and Dimitri arrived in Madeira for the TF meeting. And there, Alicia experienced for the first time this association of forensic toxicologists. 
it's a really amazingly friendly, welcoming, almost like a family style of membership. It really is quite unique. Mark LeBeau, who's now the TF president, remembers meeting Alicia at that conference. I think I really got to know her best around the grape stomping trough on the excursion we had in Madeira. And I probably shouldn't be surprised with her being from South Africa that she'd be so intrigued by that demonstration. But I really remember her great sense of humor there as we were watching all these people from the conference trying to stomp grapes. And Alicia sort of ended up sitting next to Mark LeBeau and they got discussing how that a meeting should be at South Africa. And I think Alicia was a bit blown away by Mark's sort of almost immediate response of, yep, let's do it, let's work towards that. There was a lot of enthusiasm shown for hosting finally, finally on the African continent. One of the board said to me, we're so keen to have the meeting in South Africa, we're just looking for the glue to pull it together. So I said to them, well, I can be super glue. TIAFT is a worldwide organisation. It's right there in the name, the International Association of Forensic Toxicologists. But when TF first started having meetings in the 1960s, they were always held in either Europe or North America. The first meeting to be held on a third continent was in 1990, when the annual TF meeting was in Perth, Australia. A couple of years later, it was hosted in Fukuoka, Japan. And in the last decade... TF meetings have been held on every populated continent in the world, except one, Africa. It's important that we recognize that as an international association, we need to be present in more parts of the world. And that does help when we have annual meetings in those different regions on those different continents. And, you know, look, Africa is key. It's the last of the continents that we should have an annual meeting on yet we haven't done so yet. But TFT has had African members throughout its history. So why hasn't there been a meeting in Africa? Uh, with, with just few exceptions, we haven't had very active uh, African members. And there's a lot that comes into that. In part, they may not be able to attend on a frequent basis, attend the annual meeting. So that always comes into play. It's crazy. You know, it's after all this time, it's nearly 60 years of TF's existence and no one's there from, from our neck of the woods. One of the main drivers for having the meeting in Africa was to expand TF's reach and to expand that network of colleagues that they would have access to. I mean, that was really important to meet people that we haven't had much contact with because it has been difficult for them to get to TF meetings. Sometimes what's needed for an idea to become a reality is for the right people to come together at the right time. Alicia's passion for forensic toxicology was evident to everyone she met at that conference in Madeira. It was that passion that gave the TF board hope that here might be someone who could drive the first African meeting in TF's history. It was that same passion that had driven her to start a post-mortem toxicology service in her home city of Cape Town just a couple of years earlier. It's a clinical pharmacology lab, and I have had been nagging and nagging to get some form of toxicology laboratory going because I really love that kind of work. And eventually, I nagged for longer than anybody could listen. And Peter Smith, um, he was our lab director at the time. And so 
to shut me up, he actually allowed this little toxicology lab within the bigger lab to develop. Pathologists in Cape Town have been wanting a local post-mortem toxicology service for years. Professor Lorna Martin is the head pathologist. Alicia's Department of Clinical Pharmacology started offering us uh, screening tests for our post-mortem toxicology. And it, for us, it was a real godsend that we are we're the only department uh, in the country that has had that screening service, so to speak, for the rest of it. We all have to send our specimens to our national forensic chemistry laboratories. And because we have backlogs of between 10 and 20 years, even though we still send them, we don't really ever expect to get any results. But even though Alicia and her colleagues were willing to start this service, they didn't have a lot of experience in forensic toxicology. So they looked for some outside help. February 2012, I had an email from Professor Peter Smith. That's Simon Elliott. In 2012, he was running his own forensic toxicology lab in the UK. Telling me uh, that they wanted to expand their services and they wanted to learn a little bit more about the capabilities of mass spectrometry and how you could use that for forensic toxicology. Simon flew into Cape Town to meet Alicia and her team and give them some advice on how they could improve their capabilities. He invited Alicia to visit his lab in England to learn more and see a forensic toxicology lab in operation. And I went and spent a few days in his laboratory just outside Birmingham, um, going over correct sample prep and all that kind of thing because the toxicology was all quite new to us, me. And I spent three, three days there. And as I was leaving, sort of waiting for the taxi to come and fetch me, he said, are you a member of TFT? And I had no idea what he was talking about. You know, she had a lot of enthusiasm. And during that conversation and showing her about toxicology, I said, well, of course, you know, one thing that would help you, Alicia, is maybe be part of an organization that I'm part of, which is TAFT, the International Association of Forensic Toxicologists. And we are an international organization and would love to have someone from Africa and South Africa involved in that. He said, you should go home and you should join. So I did. And so, the next year, Alicia attended her first TAFT meeting in Madeira, where she met Makala, Dimitri, Mark, and so many others. After the conference in Madeira finished, everyone went their separate ways. But the conversation was far from over. Each year, TAFT has a meeting which attracts hundreds of toxicologists from all over the world. But in recent years, there's also been a growing focus on regional meetings. The TF regional meetings are incredibly important for the organization because they, they allow members and hopefully future members to attend these smaller, what we, we often find to be more informal professional conferences. And many times it does attract some well-known international speakers. So it's really critical in many parts of the world where We have regional meetings because it allows for much more affordable opportunities for the attendees from that country or the surrounding countries to make it to the meeting. As the conversation between Alicia and the TAFT board continued, they decided to plan a regional meeting in Cape Town in 2016. 
as a prelude to a full meeting that would hopefully happen a few years down the road. This regional meeting would not only give the organising committee some valuable experience in planning a meeting, but would bring together African toxicologists with a shared sense of purpose. In the lead-up to the regional meeting, Bronwyn Davies, a graduate of the University of Cape Town, who'd been studying and working in the United States, returned home to assist with the forensic program at UCT. Her experience in forensic toxicology was exactly what was needed to further the development of a service in Cape Town. We run a forensic toxicology course as part of that program. And I stepped in there and and said, you know, let's get this program really on an international level in terms of forensic toxicology. And so within that, I kind of went to the director of our forensic pathology service in Western Cape province and kind of said, you need a toxicologist, you need a forensic toxicologist on board to build a lab for you and to strengthen forensic toxicology in forensic pathology service. And I managed to get hired as the first forensic toxicologist um, at a a provincial level in in the Department of Health and Government. And since then, we've hired a lot more toxicologists. We've built the units that that I've slowly developed. There's really an opportunity here for change, and I find that to be very exciting. Every region of the world faces unique challenges when it comes to forensic toxicology. Different legislation, different drug trends, and that's certainly true of South Africa. You know, one of, some of the interesting trends we see is that we have, a, a particularly in Western Cape, a very big mandrax problem. And mandrax is, is methaquilone, or quaaludes essentially, which is kind of not really seen outside of Africa anymore, unless you're now actually seeing new designer quaaludes. Um, so mandrax is, is very widely abused in our population. Together with methamphetamine, we have a very bad methamphetamine problem. Locally, it's known as TUC. We have a significant problem with pesticide deaths, particularly in the rural communities where agricultural pesticides are actually used in a domestic environment. We, we have a big tramadol problem, actually. Um, that's one of our big problems in Africa, and I do think that there's a big clandestine market for for tramadol. There was something that was unique that I'd not encountered either certainly in the UK or anywhere in the world, and that was this concept of Bluetooth thing, which was shocking but fascinating in as much as people would be taking drugs and having the effect, of course, of that drug. But then because subsequent people may not have been able to even afford to get their own drugs, then they would be taking the blood of the person who's taken the drug and injecting that blood into themselves. And therefore, of course, not only do you have problems of contamination in terms of if people's got an infectious disease, but there are lots of other factors that that are dangers to that. So that that in itself was, was very shocking. But as well as dealing with these local trends in drug use, there are many additional challenges that African toxicologists have to deal with in just trying to provide a service to their community. The laboratories in the developed world probably have no clue about the challenges that are faced by people on the African continent. Your next concern is, can I afford the next, you know, LC triple quad or whatever, you know, whatever the next big technology advancement is. 
uh, we often forget that in some parts of the world, they're worried about getting just gases or stable electricity or purified water. It certainly takes someone who really has a drive to see change and who's willing to be resilient in amongst the many barriers that we face here. You know, just as an example, it took me about three years to fight the battles to get us to procure certified reference material, which, you know, we know is the core component of a forensic tox lab. But there was a determination to see forensic toxicology succeed and grow in South Africa. And in May 2016, the TAFT regional meeting in Cape Town went ahead. That regional uh, meeting brought everybody down that could get done. People were so excited. And there was a lot of people from uh, the police and also people from the National Department of Health. It was a terrific meeting. We had almost 100 people there. And it was a three-day meeting, a number of talks given by board members and invited speakers. You know, we had a terrific turnout by locals and people close to South Africa who could actually make their way there. And that really got them excited to say, hey, we can do this. It was amazing to have the board here to learn from them, to gain insight from their experiences and obviously to develop those connections and networks, which I think is one of the key things that we've been able to hold on to. And you'd be surprised in a given country or in some of the developing countries or in that region of the world, how little interaction sometimes there are between toxicologists. But by having those meetings, it brings them together. They get to meet each other. And before long, you see, uh, there are a number of examples where, where we've had regional meetings in particular, and they've developed a network afterward. In fact, they did it in Africa. They created a, a network right after that regional meeting we had in Cape Town. What we're seeing now in a lot of our postgraduate courses is that we're seeing a lot of African um, or people from other African countries coming. So Zambia and Zimbabwe and Botswana. And a lot of them come from working in a government or, or lab environment. And they go back to working in the same environment. And I think it's built really good collaborations and areas for improvement. So, for example, they are building a tox lab in Zambia. And we've I've been in strong connection with those people to basically assist them in, in building their lab. The regional meeting had been a huge success. And now the team set their sights on a full TF meeting in Cape Town. The location of TF meetings is scheduled several years in advance. So how are these locations decided? It's really selling it not to the board, it's selling it to the membership. And it's the TF members that are in attendance at the annual business meeting that get to decide where the TF annual meetings will be held. So they hear those proposals from different members that volunteer to host, and they ultimately decide. A few months after the regional meeting, Alicia and her team attended the TF conference in Brisbane, Australia, where they made a passionate bid to TAFT members to host their own meeting. Jenna and Bronwyn and Pete Smith and I were all there and put together our song and dance act and we were awarded Cape Town in 2020. Alicia came over quite teary and said, this all happened because we met in the bathroom in Geneva. (laughs) Now the team had their meeting and several years to plan it. 
But hosting an international conference like TIAFT is not a simple task. You've got to book venues and hotels, plan a scientific program, attract sponsors. And the bulk of this work is done not by TIAFT itself, but by the host committee. TIAFT's a little bit different than many professional organizations in that the association itself, we don't put the annual meeting on. We rely on the host from those countries to do it. So that means TIAFT really doesn't have any of the financial responsibility. We don't sign the contracts with conference centers or hotels or banquet halls or tour companies, any of that. All of those contractual obligations are made with the the meeting hosts or their supporting agency. Really having the responsibility on your hands of having 800 of your friends and colleagues in toxicology is pretty extreme. You don't want anything to happen to them. That's, of course, number one. And you want to give them a good time. And that good time has to be from a scientific perspective, but also from a social perspective. So it's really, I think, the stress of being an organiser, like if you're hosting a party, the host hates the party because they're just there making sure that everyone is okay. And it's only afterwards you actually look back and go, yeah, it's a pretty good party. But the Cape Town Committee had a very clear idea from the beginning, what TF2020 needed to be about. Our legacy for this meeting was going to be that we had made a difference for forensic toxicology on this continent. We wanted to get our colleagues to be here to learn from other people and to teach people from developed countries what challenges they go through here, just trying to get some kind of a result, whether it's forensic or clinical or post-mortem or clinical. It's really difficult. It's very, very hard. Um, I explained to them what we wanted to do and how we wanted to include our African colleagues in this. It's not just about South Africa. I mean, the response was phenomenal. I mean, from the tiniest countries on this continent, like Rwanda and Burundi, they were the first people to respond. Let's call it Africa Network and let's do this and let's do that and let's try and work together to try and uplift this amazing discipline that is so neglected on this continent. It was going to be something everybody would remember for a very long time. And so the planning began. And while Alicia headed up the organisation of the conference herself, Bronwyn focused on improving the toxicology service for their pathologists. We have essentially streamlined uh, analyses for pesticides, common drugs of abuse, carbon monoxide, because we get uh, about 400 cases of, of fire deaths every year. And we're all very excited. I mean, Bronwyn's got all these young scientists working with her on validations and methodologies, and you know, and she's trying to get ISO accredited. And I mean, none of the forensic chemistry laboratories in the country are ISO accredited. So, you know, we're, we're working to, to a standard. And at the same time, work was happening on a new facility in Cape Town, the Observatory Forensic Pathology Institute. This would house a new mortuary and several laboratories, including toxicology, that would allow them to continue expanding their service. I mean, our vision is to be a world leader, really, in in toxicology, teaching, research and service, Uh, not only for postmortem toxicology, but 
currently drug facilitated crime testing, such as, you know, drug facilitated sexual assault is not a routine service in South Africa. And it's really my goal to try and hone in on those two areas of the profession and build up a lab that can be available to the community in that respect. The excitement was growing for the first African TAFT meeting. And in 2019, the Cape Town Committee travelled to England for the final TAFT meeting before their own. And fittingly, it was Simon Elliott who was hosting that meeting and who got to hand over the traditional TAFT flag to the South African team. Okay, it is my absolute pleasure, it really is. This is what, you know, when it was Sunday and we were packing over 800 bags, all I could think about was passing this flag over. And now it's come, it is my absolute pleasure to pass it to my friends and the future hosts, South Africa. Years of dreaming and planning had led to this. They were now on the home stretch, just months away from hosting their own TF meeting. We had like six months to go, and it was really, we could see the finish line. I worked with Alicia quite closely to make sure that things are happening, and she always contacted myself and Mark to ensure that things are, you know, in place uh, where she needed advice, which wasn't a lot. I mean, they were pretty familiar with what needed to be done. But then, of course... Things changed. And then along came COVID. And it was like, it was almost surreal. It was, how can this be happening? With many countries in lockdown and the virus spreading rapidly, it became clear that TF 2020 would not be able to go ahead as planned. I think we were one of the first toxicology professional organizations to make a decision like this, that our meeting could not proceed as planned. And I I have to say that decision came with a lot of stress. We didn't want to cancel Cape Town. We wanted to postpone it. And we tried very hard to message that position. But the problem we were facing is that we had four other countries and their meeting hosts to think about. So shuffling the meeting order could result in a a very serious impact to those future meetings. So since Cape Town was so far along in their planning, we really felt it was best to allow them to be the next annual meeting, not just putting them at the end of the queue, basically. And meaning uh, that would put them in place to host their meeting in 2021. But, you know, that decision did have a negative impact, in particular to the Rome team, who was supposed to supposed to host in 2021. So we ended up shuffling things a bit. But the idea was to simply postpone Cape Town to 2021. Postponing a TF meeting is rare. There's years of planning that goes into these meetings. So it's not easy to change the dates just months out from the meeting. But this wasn't the first time a TF meeting had been postponed due to a natural disaster. In fact, it happened just a few years earlier. In 2017, TF was planning a joint meeting with the Society of Forensic Toxicologists in the US. This is something that happens every few years, and these joint meetings tend to have a lot more delegates than a normal TF meeting. The meeting was being held in the coastal town of Boca Raton, Florida, 
and all the planning was going well. But just days out from the start of the conference, one of the most powerful storms ever seen in that region of the world, Hurricane Irma, threatened the Florida coast. You know, that was an incredibly scary time. We actually already had TF members present in Florida, right in the spot where this hurricane was predicted to hit. And then suddenly it became apparent that the conference had to be postponed. So we were worried about their safety. You know, we were worried about hotels kicking people out. Where were they going to go? But also, how were they going to manage the whole thing? How were they going to manage to get out of there? Uh, if they could, if they were forced to evacuate, where were they going to go? From the meeting planning perspective, it was a nightmare. You know, as a joint meeting with the Society of Forensic Toxicologists, that was a meeting we planned to have about 1,400 attendees. So that means we had a huge contract with the Boca Raton uh, Resort for their hotel rooms that we had committed to and for the amount of food that we had promised to buy even with yachts that we had scheduled for the excursion. So this is what people don't necessarily know. Because the hurricane shifted course at the last minute and didn't have a direct hit at the resort itself, the resort never canceled our event. We, the organizers and the boards of TIAF and the board of SOFT had to make the call to actually cancel the conference at that point. So the only way that that cancellation didn't cause about a half million dollar loss to soft essentially was because we could reschedule the meeting at the same hotel and unlike the current situation where everyone everyone all organizations have been canceling conferences and the like and then rescheduling we had to reschedule ours during a time that was an incredibly busy conference season and somehow, and maybe with some divine intervention, we were able to, to book a week in early 2018 to reschedule that uh, postponed 2017 meeting. The postponement of these two meetings wasn't quite the same. Whereas Boca was a mad scramble to make sure people on site were safe and to communicate with delegates who were about to get on a plane to Florida, Cape Town was more of a gradual realisation that the conference would need to be postponed. And so they were able to communicate that to TF members well before the original meeting date. But unlike a hurricane, COVID was not going to pass through Cape Town and be gone in a few days. And then everything fell flat. And then we had to build up everything again. I sat at home during lockdown. Um, I'd bought all the beads and thread and everything. And I've sat and made about 500 lanyards, which are hanging in my spare room in my flat, for the meeting. So I was so determined that it was going to happen that I just kept going. But as the months passed and the virus continued to spread, now with new variants, a meeting in late 2021 looked more and more unlikely. In May, a further postponement was announced. We decided that it was just too uncertain to go for it in in October. And we contacted the board and asked, discussed if we could move it to the the very first week of February. At the request of of the Cape Town organizing team, we made a decision 
to move it to late January or early February of 2022. And that was to allow vaccinations to be distributed and for them to have their effect on trying to defeat COVID. But in August, with some countries still in lockdown and vaccination rates in Africa still very low, the team had to make a difficult decision. The CTICC is a mass vaccination site at the moment. We don't know how long it's going to stay that way. We could have 800 delegates that all say, I'm coming, come what may. But the CTICC isn't open, then what do we do with everybody? They're also expecting a fourth wave here in December because of our low vaccination rate. We can't expect people to register and pay for flights and pay for accommodation. And then people decide, or institutions and universities decide, my people can't come to South Africa. And then we're in a position where we have to do the whole refund. Everybody will want cancel and want everything back. And that would be hugely expensive. And we couldn't take the financial risk as well. Until we have a better vaccination rate in this country and our colleagues and friends in African countries have access to vaccines, which a lot of them at the moment do not, this is a painful decision to make and it breaks my heart to say this, but this may not go ahead. If you're a poker player, you sometimes just have to fold. You have to drop out of that round and I think that's what we unfortunately have with Cape Town. They were dealt a really, really bad hand with this pandemic. And with so much uncertainty still out there today, uh, we, and by that I do mean the Cape Town organizing team and the TF board, we know that the show cannot go on for now. So I have now nearly 500 lanyards hanging in my spare room and no conference. Sometimes I wake up and think this actually can't be true. It really cannot be true. But throughout the planning and the postponements and all the uncertainty surrounding the Cape Town meeting, one thing that has been constant has been the support from TF members around the world. Everyone has said that they are desperately sorry about the fact that they can't come and this has happened and all the rest of it. So it's been quite overwhelming. I've even got emails in Spanish that I've had to put into Google Translate because I've got no idea what they say. And from Russia and from, I mean, just everywhere, the support's been phenomenal. Sometimes for an idea to become a reality, it takes the right people coming together at the right time. Alicia and her team were the right people. And 2020 seemed like the right time for the first African TF meeting. Now we know it wasn't. But the right time will come. Yeah, absolutely. I think it has to happen. I'm actually positive that the members will select another meeting to take place in Africa in the not-too-distant future. Our hopes for this one have been dashed. But we will definitely want to have an international meeting down the line. We have to. It's got to put the African continent on the map. I haven't given up hope and I'm, not, I'm sure that the members feel the same way. We want to get to Africa. TF needs to come to Africa. Uh, I think it's an exciting time and it was an exciting time and it will be an exciting time. So regardless of, of how we need to make the, the meeting happen, you know, we will do whatever needs to be done to try and get the meeting here. 
For now, the Cape Town team are focused on another regional meeting in the near future. We think March 2023 would be a great time to have a regional meeting for South Africa and for the Southern African states, the SADC states, including Mauritius. Even though it's a regional meeting, it doesn't mean that people from outside can't attend, and that's, that's part of the point. Regional meetings are open to everyone. So we are quite excited about the prospect that we may have quite a few international delegates as well. But although work on a full TF meeting in South Africa has stalled for now, the advancement of forensic toxicology in the country and on the continent continues. I do believe that South Africa and Africa plays a role in the toxicology field. You know, it is up and coming, it is growing, but we certainly have something to say in the country. And I feel like we have really a lot of good people in the toxicology field here. And we're just striving as a small team every day to to make a difference and to inspire change in toxicology, not only here, but hopefully everywhere in the world. There will be a TF meeting in Africa. But actually, that's not the end goal. That's really just the beginning. Developing strong networks of forensic toxicologists is what TF is all about. And a meeting can act as a catalyst for developing those relationships. But from there, it's up to each and every toxicologist to take up the challenge for themselves. How can I serve my colleagues and build them up? Not just in Africa, but in every part of the world. The first African TF meeting is going to be a huge celebration. Because of the struggles it took to get there, the showcasing of African toxicology, and of course that famous South African hospitality. If you've never experienced a South African bride, well, you'd better make sure you're there. Registration is now open for the 61st annual TAFT meeting taking place from the 2nd to the 6th of September 2024 in St. Gallen, Switzerland. The early bird rate is only available until May 31st, so be sure to register soon for the reduced rate at www.tft2024.org. We look forward to welcoming you to St. Gallen for an inspiring, engaging and enlightening conference.